If your business is tired of paying unpredictable and high phone bills, do what I did. Switch to Zoom Call's cloud business phone service. You'll pay the same low amount every month, no matter how many calls you have in the U.S. and Canada. And Zoom Calls has a really cool feature called voicemail drops. Whenever you reach someone's voicemail, just say hi in their name and then click a couple of buttons on your phone to leave your pre-recorded message. It saves both your voice and your time. Check out zoomcalls.com. That's zoomcalls.com. I think you'll love it. Attention, you're listening to the Todd Huff Radio Show, America's home for conservative, not bitter talk radio. Be advised that the content of this program has been documented to prevent and even cure liberalism, and listening may cause you to lean to the right. Here's your conservative, but not bitter host, Todd Huff. That is right. You are listening to the home of conservative, not bitter talk. I am your host, Todd Huff. Email Todd at ToddHuffShow.com, Facebook.com slash Todd Huff Show for those of you who want to watch the program live or on demand or on demand. Lots of stuff to, I guess, get abreast of here this morning. And my goodness, I mean, yesterday, I don't know if you've seen, don't know if you've seen the um, press conferences that Trump has, has been doing in the midday, in the middle of the day. And I, I think that these are, um, I don't know, I think that they're very... They, they've improved a lot. I think that they're quite good at this particular point in time. Yesterday's, I thought, was very good as well and, and much needed, right? I mean, this is – the place that we are at this particular junction is as much about our thought process as as anything. We're dealing with something – that is rooted in fear and uncertainty and panic that some of the, well, some people react with a with panic and so you know you bring up some experts you bring up say Dr. Burks for example i think Dr. Burks is absolutely phenomenal some of the things that she was saying yesterday she she gave explanations she gave gave explanations um of tests the, the the process with with testing what that looks like now some of the problems that we had initially with testing and how that that is improving she explained that you know that's one thing that's lacking in our culture today in our society is is an explanation, or I guess you could say is um, properly framing and, and giving context to what is going on, why it is the case, why it is improving, the steps that have been taken. And just knowing information like that should cause the average the average person to settle and to calm and to take a deep breath. And so I think that these press conferences um, have been 
have been really good. Now, once they get done with their initial statements and the question and answer session begins, that's when Trump primarily takes to the to the podium. And of course, from time to time, there's other folks that they're asking questions of. But that's when the the craziness begins. And in fact, yesterday, yesterday we saw Trump getting questions about the name of the coronavirus. Of course, this has been called different things, but if you go back to the beginning, the media, the media itself was calling this the Wuhan coronavirus. Now, I don't have a montage pulled together here, but I can tell you, I have heard montages of this, a list of statements being made by those in the media calling this the Wuhan coronavirus. So Trump is now calling this the China virus, maybe China coronavirus, but I think he says the Chi- the Chinese virus. There was actually yesterday in this press conference a back and forth between Trump and one of <laughs> one of the um, uh, members of the media about the name of this. And this, of course, one of the concerns ever so important here in our society is what we what we call this. And the question that she said, why do you keep calling this the Chinese virus, is what she asked. Why do you keep asking this question? And then, of course, the whole uh, following questions, is this, isn't this racist? How do you, why do you think that you should do that? Aren't you targeting, uh, calling uh, people to target Chinese Americans? And Trump says, no, no, it comes from China. That's not racist. In fact, it causes you to ask the question, is is Chinese suddenly a race? I mean, I get the question, but I I also think that there's, um, well, oversensitivity here, number one. Number two, let us not forget what China recently announced, which was that the military, the United States military, unleashed this virus on, on the people of China. Trump, of course, says that's insane. We didn't do that. Of course, we didn't do that. But nonetheless, this is the narrative. So Trump says, if you're going to say we did this, I'm going to tell you that it's the Chinese virus. This, of course, upsets people. At one point in the clip, I don't know if I've got this audio. At one, I, I'm just repeating what she said. The journalist said, what do you think about calling uh, those who call this the Kung flu virus? The Kung flu virus. And Trump says, say it again. No, no, no. Say that again. <laughs> and so she eventually got to the point where she repeated the name of the Kung flu virus. I don't know where this comes from. <laughs> that is apparently, um, who knows where this stuff is coming from. But Trump says, no, it's the Chinese virus. I don't know anything about Kung flu virus, whatever you're talking about there. But this is the sort of point that this is, I guess, uh, reached to where we're now talking about the whether or not it's appropriate to call this uh, virus the you know the place that it's founded or that it started, I should say, not founded. By the way, I saw that scientists are saying that this is a natural um, occurring virus. There was some concern. There was some thought since there was a biological weapons laboratory in Wuhan there was uh, some talk, and some folks in, my, in this audience may believe that this was something that the Chinese 
uh, either unintentionally or perhaps even intentionally unleashed from a weapons lab. I know that there was some question about that at one point in time, maybe still some question, but now scientists are saying, no, this is, this is a natural uh, virus that is the result of, of evolution, of the, the result of just how things evolve uh, over time. Um, it's, it's, you know, mutated or whatever the, the correct terminology is here so that it can be transmitted from animals to humans and then uh, from human to human. And that's what we're dealing with here, with here now. So I want to play this soundbite, this back and forth. I don't know if it includes, um, if it includes the entire back and forth where they're talking about Kung flu, believe it or not. That was actually discussed yesterday at the press conference. But this is Trump uh, responding to, <laughs> to, this, to some of these uh, questions, allegations, whatever, about this, his naming of the coronavirus, calling it his calling it the Chinese virus, somehow being racist. Listen to this exchange in case you missed it yesterday. This the Chinese virus. There are reports of dozens of incidents of bias against Chinese Americans in this country. Your own aide, Secretary Azar, says he does not use this term. He says ethnicity does not cause the virus. Why do you keep using this? A lot of it comes say from it's China. Racist. It's not racist at all. No, not at all. It comes from China. That's why. It comes from China. I and want to be accurate. Yeah, please, John. Please. I have a great, I have great love uh, for all of the people from our country. But uh, as you know, China tried to say at one point, maybe they stopped now, that it was caused by American soldiers. That can't happen. It's not going to happen. Not as long as I'm president. Uh, it comes from China, John. Please. There you go. It comes from China. That's why I call it the Chinese virus. See, it's amazing to me. Now, of course, I know that this is a game. I know that the media here wants to pin something negative to Trump. This is a uh, a full-time job for many of these folks. How do we make the president look as poorly as possible as it pertains to this issue, that issue, whatever the case may be? It doesn't matter if it's coronavirus, Chinese virus, Wuhan coronavirus, or in the words of one of these other journalists, and it wasn't her, it was another journalist that said the Kung flu virus was actually apparently something that somebody said. It's not what Trump called it. He called it the Chinese virus. But it's amazing the amount of people that don't understand how Trump responds to people. I mean, this is, this is a microcosm of how Trump interacts with people. If you're going to accuse him, his administration – his family, his country, whatever, of something egregious or sometimes even <laughs> something even uh, mild, a mild offense, he's going to come back. He's going to fight back, and he's going to, <laughs> he's going to engage in and win the battle to properly position the argument, at least as he sees it. And so in other words, if you're going to say the United States military unleashed this particular virus, if that's what you're going to say, if you're going to say that we're the ones that caused this, Trump says, go for it. I'll have this thing branded as the Chinese virus by lunchtime tomorrow. Don't you dare try to blame us for something that we didn't do. Don't you dare try to blame us for 
causing this havoc around the world. By the way, your government, China, is the one that didn't properly report this at the beginning. Your government, China, is the ones that were keeping this uh, off the radar, hiding it from people, not fully disclosing what you were dealing with or what's going on in Wuhan, Hubei province, China. You're the ones who's caused this to reach the level um, of, well, the pandemic level that we've reached now with this particular virus. It's you that has, well, caused, fueled, exasperated, whatever you want to say, this particular crisis. Don't you dare blame the United States military. I will have you branded, and this, this virus branded as the Chinese virus before lunchtime tomorrow is effectively what happens. This is how he behaves. This has nothing to do. This is so, so silly to me. This has nothing to do with denigrating or uh, blaming a particular group of people, what have you. This is, say, well, I mean, the Chinese government is what he's really saying. Hey, this is something that came from you know, from your country on your watch. Don't be blaming us. Don't be blaming us for your problems. So this is this is typical Trump. This is what he does. And by the way, he's masterful at this. <laughs> I, I told my wife as we were watching this yesterday, I said, no one can do this. This guy is in complete control of this. He deals with these people in ways that they don't know how to respond. You know, normally... Normally someone gets up there who's a Republican and they just they just take the abuse. They don't know how to properly just move on or basically tell somebody, I'm not answering your question. That's a stupid question. He does this in ways that, candidly, uh, <laughs> I don't know who else even comes close to being able to handle this stuff as, as well as Trump. But I've got to take a break, but I will say before I do that that I, I do think that the messaging, if more Americans watched what was happening in these press conferences um, where they had the team of uh, folks who are kind of managing this crisis, standing up there behind him, some of them, of course, coming up to the podium. Actually, most, if not all of them, I think, come up to the podium at some point to, to give an update and some to answer questions that they're addressed during this uh, these particular pressers. I think that that there would be a... a decrease in some of the fears because a lot of this stuff once there's context once we see dr burks go into some deeper explanations of some things once we see some of the good news that's happening on say the testing front or what have you um, i think that there's lots of reasons to to think that the initial shock of this the initial shock of this may have uh, been absorbed now by the American people, and of course, there's now the economic the economic situation. I kind of put into another bucket, and we'll talk about what Congress is doing and what the president did even last night pertaining to this stuff um, here after the break. But I've got to take a time out. You're listening to the home of conservative, not bitter talk. I'm your host Todd Huff. Back in just a minute. these pressers going back through my notes here uh, through some articles i have pulled up i have a ton of things pulled up here as you might well imagine but uh, i came across i forgot about this the other day 
uh, were Monday, President Trump told reporters uh, when he was asked how he would rate his administration's response to the coronavirus or Chinese virus or, I guess, in the words of this journalist, the Kung flu virus. I mean, wait, the, the, the sort of stupid stuff you got to deal with standing up there at the podium from some of these jokers in the audience. But anyway, they asked him how he would rate himself, his administration's response to the coronavirus, and he, on a scale of 1 to 10, and Trump said, I'd rate it a 10, <laughs> which I just, I love it. They don't know how to, how to handle this. They don't know, I, I mean, this guy um, is, is just, he handles these things the way that you're taught not to handle these things. In, in PR uh, training, PR school, Trump says, forget that. I'm going to go up, uh, up there on the stage, take to the podium, and I'm just going to wing it. And I'm going to say what I think, and I'm not going to let them. Uh, if I say a 9, if I say a 9, if I say a 9.9, they're going to focus on whatever it is. Uh, that that could be in that point one percent negative, right? That that where I've fallen short by point one on the ten point scale, and that's what they're going to focus on. And then they're going to say that I am agreeing that I failed, and that'll be the narrative. So Trump says, "Forget all of that. I think it's a ten. It may even be an eleven. Wouldn't surprise me if he said that next as well." But these things, I think, are are fantastic. But we, of course, I mean, there's a lot of um. You know, I, I think during this time, there, look, there's we've all been through difficulties in life, and and I think back to some of the the biggest struggles that I've faced um, in my particular life, and I think I don't know if I could have gotten through some of these things without a sense of humor, and I think that that is necessary. I'm not saying, you know, to where you uh, make fun of people who are, are suffering. Or, that's not at all what I'm saying. But we have to be able to to laugh uh, to a degree here and understand that uh, this too will pass, right? This, this too shall pass. It just may be difficult and tough for some time. In fact, in fact, you may have seen some leaked reports that suggest the government has a plan um, that the U.S. is looking at potentially um, 18 months. This is in the New York Times. U.S. virus plan anticipates 18-month pandemic and widespread shortages. Now, you read the word anticipates. Anticipates assumes that that's what they're expecting to be the case. I think that these are all you know, worst-case uh, worst scenarios. In fact, this is what the article said. A federal government plan to combat the coronavirus or Chinese virus, as Trump would say, warned policymakers last week that the pandemic will last 18 months or longer, will last, and could include, quote, multiple waves resulting in widespread shortages that would strain consumers and the nation's health care system. The 100-page plan dated Friday, the same day President Trump declared a national emergency, laid out a grim prognosis for the spread of the virus and outlined a response that would activate agencies across the government and potentially employ special presidential powers to mobilize the private sector. Among the, quote, additional key federal decisions, end quote, listed among the options for Mr. Trump was invoking a de- uh, the Defense Production Act of 1950, which uh, President Trump has has done. 
um, a Korean warlike, excuse me, Korea, Korean war era law that authorizes the president to take extraordinary action to force industry to ramp up production of critical equipment and supplies such as ventilators, respirators, productive gear for healthcare workers. Shortages of, of products may occur impacting healthcare, emergency services, and other elements of critical infrastructure, the plan warns. So again, this is um, some of the things that they're they're talking about. This was leaked. The New York Times picks it up, reminds us that this is something that uh, could be facing Americans for some time. Of course, the truth of the matter is we're still – we're kind of learning on the fly here in a lot of ways. I mean there there are certainly plans. I don't mean to suggest that there's no plans. The the government, the administration, they've gone through this. They've worked out contingency plans. In fact, you'll hear Trump say this that you know, this is or there's a series of steps that are being taken and and we're when we reach those steps, the actions are being taken as necessary. And of course, if things improve, if this social distancing measure really does help, in fact, you see China now. You see China yesterday, believe it or not, was the first day that they reported no new cases. Now, I think they had new cases, but those cases had come in from somewhere outside of China. But as far as domestic cases uh, inside of China, domestic cases being um, you know, reported as, as – being transmitted from inside of China, yesterday they had zero, zero cases. So at first they told us that this thing really started to take off around the very end of 2019 or the 1st of January of January 2020. Now we're finding out that this goes back into November at least. That's, uh, that's what we're looking at now, I think mid-November. So you're looking at so from November, December, January, February, March, so four months. Four months where this spiked. Now keep in mind it's China, number one. It's not the United States of America. Their healthcare system is not as good as ours. They have a much more uh, they're they're much more densely populated. And their sanitation and and just overall cleanliness is not not to the same standards. Of course, I mentioned their healthcare system not being to the same standards either. They also didn't really know. It took time to identify. That whole process happened pretty quickly. They were able to uh, identify the sequencing of this thing relatively quickly. And even though they hid this from the American people, not just the American people, the rest of the world effectively, they did uh, do some things right in the sense of identifying this. And so from four months from the first case until now, it's almost four months exactly, they went from having massive numbers at one point, catching this, passing this from you know, one person to another and dying. Now we have now we have zero new cases in China, which I think um, you've heard the, the eight to ten weeks. Um, you'll hear a lot of people talk about the eight to ten week window sort of thing here how important that is because that appears to be uh, if if handled appropriately that that looks like it could potentially be how long it lasts here you know maybe even up to say four months but of course as we're finding there could be waves of this 
If people suddenly say, ooh, that's over, and they just go immediately about living their lives, could it begin to pass and transmit again? These are things that we'll have to address as that time comes. In a lot of ways, it's one day at a time here. Um, but anyway, so there's there's the, I guess, the both ends of the spectrum. You have some people who think we can get through the worst of this in a span of 8 to, 12, 8 to 10, 12 weeks. Others who say we better prepare for a 18-month pandemic and other shortages along the way, especially as it pertains to healthcare equipment, devices, and so forth. The government's taken steps in that particular, in those particular areas to combat and to be ready for that. So, but the government's also taken steps on, well, a new stimulus, I guess you could call it, plan. We'll talk about that when we get back, but I've got to take a time out. You're listening to Conservative Not Better Talk. I'm your host, Todd Huff, back in just a minute. Welcome back. You know, what is, when you think about the economy, what is that, what is that really what does that really mean? I mean, isn't the economy and, and the factors that, I guess, fuel the economy are largely based upon one's perspective, right? So there, there's, of course, you could say the fundamentals of the economy. You can say this company is producing um, a profit. You can then translate that into what that is per share. You can say that it's underperforming, overperforming. It's a, a value stock. It's got. It should be trading at higher prices. There's all that kind of analytical stuff when it comes to the the markets um, and the technical kind of analysis of the market. But the economy, when you get down to it, when you get down to it, the economy. I always like to think about things in in the most practical terms, and so. As we look at the evolution of economies throughout the history of mankind, you know there were times when there was a barter system when you would effectively say, "I'll you know work on your fixing your your roof on your home if uh, you trade me something else that you have. Maybe you give me a couple of head of cattle in return or whatever it is." And the person says, "Yeah, that's a." That's a fair deal. I'll take that. I need cattle. You need a roof. What do you know? We can get that taken care of or whatever the trade is. The specifics don't get bogged down in that. But over time, over time, people realize that, well, people realize quickly that in order to, you know, sometimes the person, I might need a service, but they don't have anything in return that I want. So I really need something that says that I can use that, that has a value that I can then trade to someone else for something else that I need. And so that's the, kind of the, the basis of, of money, right? So I can trade, give someone money in return for their services or a product, and they, they of course, will fulfill their end of the deal or face legal consequences. And when they do this, um, you know, it allows me to be – I don't have to be sele- – it, it, it removed a lot of barriers, where I could say I need a roof. It doesn't matter if this guy or whatever doesn't have what I need, or he does or doesn't. I can just get the roof done, pay him money, 
And then he would then use that money for whatever purposes he desires. He can save it. He can invest it. He can spend it. He can buy food or he can buy whatever, right? He can, and, and suddenly it, it gives the economy, there's more interaction. There's more activity because it's, it removes some of those, some of those barriers. And so as this continues to, to grow and there's more interactions, the kind of the underlying, <laughs> the baseline, uh, I guess the foundation of all of this is just confidence. Confidence in, say, the currency. I don't want to. I don't want to receive a currency that's going to lose its value in the next twenty minutes, right? I want to. If I'm going to do something for someone, I want to be relatively certain that it's going to hold its value and that I can then use it proportionally to then buy whatever I need or do whatever I want to do with it. And also, uh, this idea, especially if I'm giving up money. I want to be confident to know that other people are going to feel confident releasing their money for the things that I have and the things that I can offer, right? And so there's this confidence thing. And it's an interesting uh, kind of dilemma, I guess, situation because the, the thinking really oftentimes isn't how confident do I feel. A lot of times people are saying how confident is someone else, right? How confident – is someone else in the in the economy. So then it's it you know you suddenly in fact I remember this back when the economy was uh, the, you know there were questions about the economy in the past you would hear a lot of people say I'm doing great but you know I hear some people aren't doing so well. And that was kind of uh, at the beginning I think you know what I don't know if this was Trump this may have gone back even to Bush. But but that's the first feeling every Everyone says, I'm ex- I feel good because I'm doing well. But then in their mind, they hear so much negative news, they think, well, someone else out there isn't doing well. And then at some point, they say, where are these people? Where are these people that aren't doing well? Because every person I'm running or, you know, into in the marketplace or in my personal life is, is doing well. And so then confidence really goes up because people say, I see people confident out there. So it's a psychological thing, right? The economy is largely psychological. Now, I'm not under, undermining the realities that a disease can can have on an economy because it certainly can. Supply chains can be broken. Um, it can it can cause all sorts of problems with distribution. I mean, I've seen articles and stories about truckers. I know we've got a, a lot of truckers in the in the audience as well. Truckers that are having problems with supplying or getting products from point A to point B, especially with shutdowns. As a, I mean, some rest stops are shut down. So there's, it's just a different world than it was even three weeks ago at this particular point. So there are realities and some things that have changed, but there's also this huge psychological problem. So that's where I want to stop now and talk about how Congress is Congress and the president what actions they're going to be taking here to try to, I guess, remedy that, to instill confidence um, and so forth. And I want to talk about that after the break because they're going to be passing this. Well, President Trump signed this, I guess you call it the stimulus plan, into um, trillion dollars, by the way. <laughs> Lots of money. So then there's a whole another series of discussions to have after that. How do you fix the 
short-term, I guess, fears and anxieties, but then what's the cost long-term, which always seems to be the piece of the puzzle that no one wants to address because that's someone else's problem psychologically. Talk about those things when we get back. You're listening to Conservative Not Better Talk. I'm your host, Todd Huff, back in just a minute. Welcome back. So, still trying to sift through this uh, what coronavirus stimulus or whatever you want to call this thing. Looking here, story uh, at the Washington Post, Trump's trillion-dollar stimulus is a gamble for re-election and a sea change for Republicans once opposed to bailouts, which this is a very, well, a fair series of questions to ask ourselves. Um, You know, part of this reminds me, this reminds me of what it was like back in 2008 during the campaign, during the presidential campaign Remember, we had to suspend the uh, the campaigns, not to end them as they typically do. They say, I'm suspending my campaign, and that means that I'm not going to run for president anymore. No, no, no. They suspended it to go back to Washington, D.C., right? Barack Obama at the time was senator. Senator John McCain, they both go back to D.C. to hammer out details of a financial stimulus package that had to be passed in the next five seconds or – the economy would collapse and we would go into a Great Depression and nothing would ever be the same. This, of course, is the – I guess you could say the basis for which uh, Obama uh, w- would say things such as uh, he had saved America from a Great Depression. Other Democrats and radicals say this as well. It's amazing the things that they saved us from that we didn't even know uh, for sure was going to happen. But yet that's what they what they claim. So – and even at the it's, – it's amazing. What happens is they get – they get so many people so uh, emotionally wrapped up in a, in a situation to where they they overlook the long term implications of particulars, right? And so you you start to be able to justify things, even with well meaning conservatives. Well meaning conservatives can look at this and say, you know, I understand, and and to some degree, we I think we all can quote understand. You know, hey, there's a problem. <laughs> there's a problem. Let's throw a bunch of money at it, right? And 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 that's that's overly simplistic, I know. But but there's a part of us that can understand, okay, what they're trying to do. And of course, you've seen massive losses in the stock market. You see industries that are in trouble. And so this trillion dollar pa- uh, plan includes five hundred dollars, uh, five hundred billion dollars in cash payments to individual Americans. I still haven't seen the actual what the actual number is. Maybe you you can tell me if you've seen that, um, but I've I've seen it's at least a thousand dollars per American, maybe even more. I don't know what that comes out to yet. How they're allocating that three hundred billion dollars, <throat> excuse me, toward helping small businesses, fifty billion dollars for airlines, one hundred and fifty dollar billion for other affected sectors <clears throat> of the economy. And, and so this is similar to the, the, the bailout that we were against back in 2008, even though same sort of thing happens. You get this highly emotional situation. You realize that people need money, and so you dump large amounts. And some people point to 2008 and say, 
you, you see the, the Democrats point to this and say it worked. In fact, they campaigned in 2012 on that. Obama, O'Biden-Bama, was out there saying that Osama died and GM's alive, right? They, they saved it with the bailout and all this kind of stuff. And I don't want to get into all of that. I don't have time for that. But the bottom line is, is that, you know, this is usually something that Republicans, you know, are are against. Now, surely something could be done. In fact, I want to, after the break, before we get out of this hour, I want to read to you what Heritage, the Heritage Foundation, who I have a lot of respect for, their analysis of things. Try to get to that before we wrap up for the hour. But so there's, you know, the short term, you could say, hey, this this is certainly going to cause people to maybe take a bit of a breath and feel like something good is happening in spite of all the calamity and fear going on around us. But there is a cost to this, right? There's a cost to this long-term long-term debt, fiscal responsibility. This sort of behavior cannot go on ad infinitum. And we've got to we've got to be mindful of that. I again, I understand where the inclination to do this comes. I understand it's an election year. I understand that short-term this may be a really good <clears throat> good thing for the economy, but it's it's there's more cost than just short term. You know, we've got to get to a point. We've got to get to a point to where Americans take responsibility, where we're wiser, where we're not living collectively as a group, paycheck to paycheck. We've got to find a way to get there. And and this this pushes off the consequences of having to deal with that now, but it also insulates people and again these are extreme circumstances i know so this is not meant to be uh, a blanket statement but just in general uh, if, if we're not responsible for the decisions we've made collectively then it kind of at some point encourages us to continue with those gotta take a break gotta take a break though you're listening to conservative not better talk i'm your host todd huff back in just a minute So, so the well, first of all, I don't have all the answers to this stuff. I just look, it, it's there's a big problem. Government has a role here. Um, but government has to be responsible. What's going on here? Audio coming in. Government has to be responsible. Government has to be responsible in the way that they handle these these matters. And so um, I'm not sure that that's what's happened here. We're talking about a trillion, a trillion dollars. That's a lot of money, a lot of money. So we'll have to look at this more in detail after the the break. But Trump has signed this. Uh, News is just technically broken a little bit ago here. But um, there are other alternatives. Heritage has some comments on this, some things that um, they think should have been done. Some other options that government could have taken besides simply bailouts or direct payments, but that appears to be the case. So, talk about this uh, after the top of the hour, but I've got to wrap up here. As always, appreciate you listening. SDG. See you soon. Take care.